Hello, this is Artists at Work. Um, I'm your host, Heidi Bacon. We're sponsored by the Artist Sanctuary, and we have as our guest today, the piano goddess, Deidre Rodman Struck. And we're so excited to have her here. And she's going to play us some tunes and tell us all about her her history. Um, But to begin with, I want to express how thankful I am to the nonprofit, The Artist Sanctuary. It is a nonprofit that whose mission is to be a catalyst for artists to be successful. So them being a supporting um, entity of artists at work is very important to me. Also, Blick Art Supplies, um, they're based in Minnesota, but they, they ship all over the world. And they have just amazing art supplies. They're one of our sponsors as well. And um, just glad to be here today with Deidre. And I want to say hello and a big old welcome to you. Hello, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, You're just at the beginning. This is episode four of Artists at Work. So, you know, as we go on, we're going to have a lot of episodes and you're right here at the beginning. I so appreciate you taking the time to visit with me today. And I'm very excited to learn more about you and your background and what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much. Where, where should I start? <laughs> well, why don't you just let me know how you even started down that path? Um, the piano goddess. Wow. <laughs> that, <laughs> that takes a lot to be a piano goddess. And, and you've been there from what I've been reading about you. And I can't wait to hear your story. Did you take piano lessons as a child? Is that what interested you to begin with? Yeah, I did. I grew up in Idaho. Uh, I was adopted. So I grew up, uh, I was born in Twin Falls, Idaho, and then I was adopted. And about a month after I was born, I moved with my adoptive parents to Boise, Idaho. And my mom took piano lessons. So I would always go with her to piano lessons and kind of observe. And when I was seven, I started taking piano lessons myself, got super into it. So went up through middle school, used to take all the synthesizers home with me from school, play around with those. I would have like a little two recorders and I would push one to record and like push the other one and multi-track with like those super old I don't know if you've seen those the the, these really old black tape recorders that you like push you know to record I had one yep I know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it was great because it was the 80s and so synth music was super in so I would listen to all that stuff and then I was playing for the swing choir and the jazz choir then when I was in high school, I got into a rock band and I sang lead and played keyboards in the rock band. And it was really interesting in Idaho at that particular time, there were tons of all ages clubs and everybody was in bands and we would all go support each other. So there was this very vibrant music scene, which you wouldn't expect, you know, in the middle of Idaho in the late eighties. <laughs> So I just kept playing and playing. Then I um, went to college, got an undergraduate degree at Brigham Young University in classical piano, piano performance and pedagogy is the title. Wow. That's (laughs) impressive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It sounds very impressive. Um, And then from there, I got really into jazz. So then I went to grad school in Texas and got a degree in a graduate degree in jazz studies. Kept playing, 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 playing. From there... I got a um, text. Actually, it wasn't a text. This is before text. I got a fax from a a friend of mine 
about cruise ship gigs. So I went on a cruise ship for a year, went all around the world playing in the band on cruise ships. And then I got another fax from a friend saying, do you want to move to New York City and play with the Big Apple Circus? So I played for the circus. I moved to New York and played in the circus, which is where- Well, let me back. Let's just stop right there. (laughs) A lot of information. I've had a very weird No, no, no. I just, I I love hearing it and I want more, but I want to interrupt you for a minute because I want to know, is this like the circus with clowns and elephants and trapeze artists, that kind of circus? Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. So when someone was performing, were you just doing the live music? Yeah, it was really, I feel so, so lucky because the Big Apple Circus at the particular time that I started, they were really kind of trying to be Cirque du Soleil, which is a one ring, you know, circus. And they had hired French Canadian composers. And so the keyboard parts were super interesting. They were like, I had two keyboards and I had all these like pedals and loops and stuff like that. And the band was all way older than me and I moved when I was like 26 so they just immediately adopted me as like their little sister into and I just moved to New York so I I didn't know anybody I had like the shirt on my back basically but I met this community of older musicians who was so generous and so welcoming to me and at that time in the circus band there were you would play the music like so the conductor would be going and then if the horses for example we're having a bad day. <laughs> like sometimes the horses would get excited and they would go up like on the little curb, you know, they wouldn't really do anything, but then we would loop the section, you know, they would just say, keep playing it, keep playing it, keep playing it. You do solos. And it was really fun. There weren't, we weren't being policed at all. It was just like we were improvising and it was super fun. After that, the circus band kind of changed. They decided they were going to do a Dixieland show. And they, for some reason, thought that none of us could do Dixieland. So they fired us, hired Woody Allen's band, then realized that Woody Allen's band can't read music. So then they hired like half of us back. (laughs) It was very weird. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. The circus also is that my first day in New York at the circus, I met the man who's now my husband 23 years later. So what a story. What a story. You ran away to be a part of the circus. Yeah. And then you met the love of your life. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and in New York, I feel like I just feel lucky because when I moved here, the downtown jazz scene was super vibrant. It's just like amazing to move to New York in your 20s with a job. You know, like I just went to hear music, 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 music. I played every possible piano gig that I could get my hands on, like, wedding gigs and accompanying tubas and playing for dance classes. And I just took everything. So because of that, I became very skilled at playing a lot of different styles. So that's why I call myself the piano goddess. Because <laughs> you probably can do anything. <laughs> I can do a lot. I can't do everything, but I can do, I think the nature of being a pianist, a professional pianist is that you kind of have to learn how to adapt Sounds like you've done it, man. And I was reading um, your bio and it talked about these different bands you were a part of. Tell me more about that. Sure. Um, So when I first moved to town, I was sort of trying to be a jazz pianist. I was playing in the circus and then I uh, was lucky because it was still the days when you could send unsolicited submissions to get a record label. 
And I remember I sent like, I, I made a CD and I was really proud of it. I hired the jazz musicians, made a CD. And then I sent it out to a bunch of labels. And one of them actually got back to me and he said, yeah, I want to meet you. This place called Sunnyside Records. And I, I still remember exactly what I was wearing. Like that day, I was so nervous. Important day. Oh man, like sitting down and, and he ended up putting out the record and put out two of my other records. Hi, baby. I'm doing an interview. You want to say hi? Who's that? That's my daughter. Are they going to join us? No. No? She's just saying hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I put out three jazz CDs and I went on the road. I took my jazz band on the road. We went back to Idaho where I was from because I wanted to bring New York jazz to Idaho. And then I got a little bit over that because it was really kind of a boys club at the time, like who's playing with who? And it just felt, started feeling competitive in not a fun way. So then I um, randomly met somebody at jazz camp, a guitarist, and we formed an all girl band that was kind of like the Nat King Cole trio. So it was piano, guitar, bass, no drums, and a lead singer. And we all sang four part harmonies. Awesome. It was so awesome. And so we were called the lascivious biddies. And in 2004, we actually started the first ever podcast by a band. <laughs> oh, Way back in the day. That yeah. is so awesome. It was fun. So that was a really fun era. Just like touring with your best friends. And we had an agent, so we would go all over the country. And we, you know, it was, it was really, really like, it was a good 10 years of super fun. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It was amazing. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Um, and then in 2009, I had my first child. So I took a little bit of time off. And then 2012, I had my second one. So since then, I've been in a lot of different kinds of bands. Um, my most recent one, I feel like I'm just a yap, 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 yap. No, my- yap away. <laughs> We're all about the yap. <laughs> my most recent band. Um, the other nice thing about living in New York is that it's kind of like a small town in certain ways where a lot of us know each other. On the other hand, I could go into say like an Irish pub and there'll be a whole set of Irish musicians. And because I'm not part of that scene, I will have never met any of them and they'll be amazing. So you can live here and never see all that there is to see. So I kind of moved from the jazz world into sort of the cabaret world with the biddies. We were like a pop cabaret thing. And then from there, I thought, I want to sing more. I want to do some songwriting. So then I started hanging out at the songwriting venues (laughs) and um, just started hanging out with different people. And I started collaborating with this guy, Byron Isaacs, who plays bass for the band Lumineers. Oh, cool. And we were both having writer's block. So we started, he was on the road all the time with Lumineers. Like at this point I wasn't touring and he was just gone all the time. So we started writing on Skype, like before Zoom was a thing. (laughs) We would write every week on Skype and we would have to, because of the lag, we would just have to kind of figure out how to do it. So we put an EP out in 2019 under the name Tiny Language. So that's been my, I guess, probably most recent band. I don't know. There's been a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever counted how many bands you were involved with? Nope. (laughs) I'm going to have some tea. I miss it. I really miss, um, I miss performing for like 
because of the pandemic, you know. Well, it's a new reality. And, you know, it's one thing to perform together where that's that um, camaraderie and, you know, you play off each other, um, Zoom and other online um, ways to do it is a way to have it happen without, but you miss so much of that. You know, it's not the same as being in person, but at least you can still collaborate. And it just opens a bunch of new doors too, just to thinking outside of the box a little bit more. I think that's true. I have a weekly writing session that I do with a friend of mine. And because we can't play anything in a tempo because of the lag, we've learned to just recently we've just been playing where I'll like I have the keyboard here. Like I just play something super open, you know. And he would just come in with his bass and like bow the bass or play the French horn and we just keep it really open and kind of meditative. So oh, nice. it's kind of become less about writing and more about just being in the space together. And you're right. That does make me think about music in a different way than I used to, for sure. Now, are you like taking this situation that we're in because of the pandemic and doing more online? Are you taking that in like, um, you know, the word, you know, pivot comes into our uh, vocabulary a lot. And um, are you taking that and now creating um, more podcasts or workshops or classes for songwriting or, you know, coaching or anything along those lines that people can subscribe to? I am. I have had the opportunity since the pandemic to, as we all have, reinvent ourselves I think partly because I was playing my my one of my most recent gigs was playing for a children's theater company nice and they had to let me go because of the pandemic but Mm. I because of that I've been getting unemployment which has been amazing and so helpful so so helpful and the other thing I do is the biddies and I probably 15 years ago started working with Carnegie Hall Wow. And we, now that, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so it's funny because they were looking at the time for bands who could play in like the outer boroughs and in like weird venues. So the audition was you had to come to the, to Carnegie hall. You just set up all of your equipment yourself, like bring all your stuff, set it up, play three songs and tear all your equipment down in 10 minutes. Three songs so, and putting it together and tearing down in 10 minutes all that I think they probably said you could do one song but we were like we're going to show them snippets of three oh my Um, word it's like a reality show before there were reality shows (laughs) so we did it and then we we got it so we started going to like libraries and hospitals and playing and that became um a social outreach program called musical connections So then we were like playing in lobbies of hospitals. We were, then we would start like going around in the hospitals and just taking our instruments and that turned into songwriting. So we got hired to do songwriting with seniors and songwriting with adults with mental disabilities, this kind of thing. And it was so fun. It was also fun because we were all friends, you know, it's like get to play with your girlfriends, work for Carnegie Hall, do songwriting. It was like ridiculous. And so that evolved about nine years ago into something called the Lullaby Project. And that's where we go to prisons, hospitals, and shelters, and we write lullabies with moms-to-be or dads, mainly to foster connection 
between them and their babies. And so I've been doing that for nine years. You know, that just, I just had chills go all the way up my arm. That is so amazing. And, and what a a service that is. I mean, who'd have thought to do something like that? I mean, and have that compassion to the people that are, you know, locked away um, to, help them heal or or be there in some way for the people that they can't be that's amazing i love that honestly whoa that was a weird sound (laughs) i heard myself coming out of your speaker and i sounded like Mm -hmm. godzilla it was very exciting (laughs) (laughs) honestly i I feel i feel like i'm the lucky one Uh, honestly I'm, i'm not just saying that to like a cliche i really feel like when i've gone into these spaces then there are people that are showing me the most vulnerable parts of themselves. And often these are women of color, or, you know, black women. I'm coming in on this white girl from Idaho. And I feel like often, like, I don't want to be taking over their voice. I don't want to be taking over their space. I just want to be this conduit for them to say whatever they want to say. And I feel lucky that somehow I've been granted this opportunity to just be able to connect with people. And often in these settings, like for example, when we go to Rikers, um, so we would go a few times, but you don't have that long because it takes a long time to get in. And then certain people may be there that said they were, certain people are there that you didn't know were going to be there. And then you have a very limited time to like immediately connect. Usually they'll write a letter to their baby. And a lot of them, you know, people in that particular situation have more than one child. So it's like, how are we writing it? Do you want it to be upbeat? Do you want it to be soft? And you just have to work so quickly that I got really good at that. So I decided during this pandemic that I was going to take this skill set and launch a business with it. Um, And at first I thought maybe I would do a piano goddess type thing, like piano coaching, And then I remember walking over my kids' winter break. We were in the Adirondacks and it was really icy and I was walking. And I thought, if somebody offered me something that I desperately wanted, like what would that thing be? I was like, well, it wouldn't be piano lessons because you can get those anywhere. But it would be helping me find whatever song I have inside of myself. Because I've seen like over and over again, people that don't know they have a song and they, they do like every single person has these songs inside of them. They just don't know it all the time. And so when we go into lullaby, it's sort of like, guess what? We're writing a song. (laughs) And they're always like, what? No, we're not. I'm not a songwriter. It's like, but you are, you just don't know it. And I, I will help you because we've been hearing music like our whole lives, we all have this stuff in our brains, like all kinds of music. We just don't know always how to like get it out there. So how do you get it out there? I mean, can you go over some of the little steps that you- Absolutely. So well, Carnegie Hall in particular has like its own workbook that we use. Usually starts with a letter to the baby, but often like it's a kind of a workbook thing, but like if we're in a shelter, for example, then maybe they didn't get the workbooks. So that's okay. So then. We just start, um, and this is how I start with the song inside too, if it's not a lullaby, just by talking. Just like, especially if they're writing, uh, in fact, let's do it right now. Okay. You're going to do it with me. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll take some notes. So think of somebody you wanna write a song for. Um, I think it'll need to be my son. Okay, it can be whoever you want it to be, or it can be for yourself. Yeah, I think my son, Your because son. Um, he's had some rough times, and um, I would like to encourage him, you know. Okay, so tell me a little bit about memories you have with him, or his favorite things to do, or something you would like. If he opened up a letter at, in the mail, and it was from you, what are some things you'd want to tell him? Um, that I'm here in his corner. Um, I'll always be here supporting him. Um, some of the things he's really, I really admire in him is the ability to, um, think differently than other people. And he's always been interested in the night sky. He's a photographer and filmmaker and a tornado chaser, you know, so yeah, he's, he just loves weather the sky he would love to be travel in space hmm. you know um he's made some bad choices you know so i don't think that's ever going to happen for him you know and that hurts me but um i'm gonna cry <laughs> See, I, but, everybody cries oh, like it's not it's not really working unless, it, you're, sometimes, unless you're crying because right? I feel like music and, and words it gets at the heart of of the deep feelings yeah now I have other children too and but they they seem to have it more together you know they but this one is still searching and um it pains me you know as a mother not to jump in because I'm known for enabling (laughs) and trying to fix the the problems you know but um it's tough to let grown children Mm -hmm. go through hard times and um it hurts to see it happen but mm-hmm. I see that he may be going down a good path or hopefully he'll see that, you know, where he's at now. So yeah, this is great. So you said, awesome. some, <laughs> was- you said some things that are, um, that are so musical. So before I sort of mirror back to you, what you said, um, if you were thinking about singing a song for him, or is there a song that he likes, or you sang to him when he was little, do you picture it as a slow thing or more of an upbeat thing? Kind of a slower thing. Slower thing. Okay. Um, did you sing to him when he was a baby, just out of curiosity? All the time. Yeah. yeah. What, what would you sing to him? Um, I'd sing uh, um, silly songs, you know, um when they'd get up in the morning I'd wake them up in the morning by you know oh um let's see I can't even think of it now way up in the sky the little birds fly while down in the nest the little birds rest I have never heard it. I love a wing it. on the left and a wing on the right the little bird sleeps all through the night they're sleeping <laughs> the bright sun comes up the dew falls away good morning good morning the little birds say you know so silly <laughs> silly songs where is I learned that- in camp I was a camp counselor and we sung silly songs you know where's that where did that song come from I haven't heard it oh really 
I was a counselor at Riverside Bible Camp in, in Story City, Iowa, and went there in high school and was a counselor there. And we sang songs for every meal. We sang songs every morning. We <laughs> were just crazy, silly songs. <laughs> so that was kind of like, hang on, let me just... Da, 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 da. Like just had this kind of da, 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 da. like uh-huh. a lot of lullabies end up being waltzes like one two three one oh two. yeah so what I heard which I think is a beautiful phrase you said I'm here in your corner which is such a positive like as a parent I can tell how much you love him because you're saying you know I know you were searching for your for your true path. I'm here in your corner, you know, like uh, basically you're always going to be there for him. And that's what mm-hmm. the song is, is saying. So maybe always be here would be like the chorus. So I'm going to steal that melody that you just had. Da, da, da. So we're going to like, let's start. We'll call him. Um, we won't spend too long on this, but I'll give you an idea. So we'll start with like maybe tornado chaser you love the night sky um travel in space um you wish you could fly something like that that rhymes and then so tornado chaser and then how would you sing you love the night sky um, I love the night sky. Do you want to say it to, from his point of view, I love the night sky, or you love the night sky? Mm. Probably from his perspective. Okay, so like he's singing it as I? Well, maybe mine, because if I'm going to be in his corner. Right, that's true. Yeah. So maybe, um, you're my tor- a tornado chaser. You love the night sky, always wishing that you could fly. Um, what, what did you put? So, uh, something about you said he thinks differently. He thinks so differently from anyone I know. And now we need a word that rhymes with no. Something, how about ends and go? Some, yeah. You know. What do you think about him going? How do you feel about him? Like, do you want him to go, go, go? Or do you want to rein him in a little? He's a goer. I mean, he drives fast. I mean, he just bikes fast. He, he, was, he likes to travel, you know. Right. So let's try this. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write the words in the chat so you can sing with me. You're my tornado. You're getting a little preview of the song inside here. <laughs> Chaser. Um, you love the night sky. What I wish Zoom would not do is when you push return, it's always a new thing, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. You're my tornado to love the night sky. What did I say after that? Um, well, then I wrote. You want to fly. Something. Right. You always wanted to fly, fly, fly. 
you. This is so, so, so exciting for the people listening, me typing. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Fly. Hang on. We're almost done, people. Fly. Fly. You think differently from anyone I know. You go, go, go. But I'll always be here in your corner. Always. I want you to know. Oh, that no is already in there. Never mind. <laughs> no, no. Like this is great. Like if we had more time, you would. I would totally like. Right, right. In. But like, just for example. So here's what we have. You want to say it with me? Okay. You are my tornado chaser. You love, love the night sky. You always want to fly. Fly, fly. Think differently from anyone I know. And now this is different. Go, we'll go, 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 go. Like the music's going up. You go, 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 go. And I'll always be here in your corner. I'll always be here for you. Oh, yeah. I'll always be here in your corner. And then insert the name, whatever his name is. Blah, blah. I love you. Just a little, little That's beautiful. Thank you. Love. You're welcome. And I can go finish it if you want. Oh, it sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because lullabies usually are a lot of times quite simple. Mm -hmm. Really depends on who the, like, how much time we have and who the person is. Like, and the great thing about a nice melody too is that you can you can change the feel of it. You know, mm -hmm. if you're wanting to do an upbeat one, you could be like, "I'm always here in your corner." You know, da 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 da. da. You could change it around. Mm -hmm. But I think no matter the age, like anybody would love to get to know that somebody else thought of them enough to actually write them a song. You know, yeah. like we sort of stole a little bit from the beginning of a song that you used to know, but that's what I mean when everybody has a, has songs inside of them. That's all in there. Just a matter of kind of pulling it out. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the idea for my business is to do what we just did with anybody who wants to and everybody who wants to, to do it in groups, to do it by myself with them, to do maybe a membership where we just come and share. We have co-writing time. We share all of our songs. I just, it makes me really happy. <laughs> so if someone wanted to um, get with you about um, personally one-on-one -on -one doing it, or you coaching them to um, not really coaching, but working with them to create a song for themselves, or if they want to participate in a group or even learn how to um, go into places um, like you do and help other people do this um, how would they get in contact with you you can go to the song inside.me I right. was so bummed when .com wasn't available and then my husband said no the song inside.me and I was like okay that's even better perfect <laughs> <laughs> it's well, good and they you're doing that now right so yeah I'm doing that now I'm sort of in, in my beta launching phase so 
I'm figuring it all out. And what's great is that Carnegie Hall, I wanted to talk to them and make sure that this is all cool with them. Cause yeah. you know, and I'm not using any of their materials, but they want everyone in the world to have a lullaby the same way that I want everyone in the world to have whatever song it is. So our mission statement is kind of the same. I'm just doing it, taking it a step further. Right. Yeah. And such a needed thing. And it wouldn't be anything that would have been on my radar, you know, right. that, you know, so it's so unique. Um, but especially for the people that are uh, unable to sing a lullaby for their baby or their child or, you know, give them that in person. You know, you're providing such um, a wonderful thing. You were saying that you benefit from it yourself from doing this. And I can see that it would be very touching. And to be able to provide this um, service and um, it's kind of like um, a mission, you know, you're, you're doing it for Carnegie right, right now. And then, um, but to go and, and fill this gap that nobody knew existed, you know, um, <laughs> is just an amazing way to help people heal, you know, and, um, you're just like an important cog in that wheel, you know, you. um, that again, like we didn't know we needed, <laughs> Right. Well, and often people don't know that it's missing or that it's needed until they start doing it. Mm-hmm. And even I think people don't realize how important music is and art too, like, which is why it's great what you're doing. You're highlighting artists at work because music can transcend pretty, pretty much anything and art. So when I go into these spaces, like I'll, oftentimes I won't even speak the same language, it, but you know, can they say te amo? It's like, I love you or anything. I could try to learn it phonetically. I can take it to a friend, um, but, but we can sing together. You know, we can figure it out. And I feel like for millions of years, or I don't know, I don't know when humans first started singing, <laughs> but for a long time, this is how people have communicated. And when you have a baby it's like the most important voice is the voice of the mom like you know and sometimes people say I can't sing it's like your child they don't care like like your voice is the most important voice and I think yeah I hope nobody else cares because I'm like I'm singing and I'm not really prepared to do that I'm no, I, I'm no, yeah no, it's like whoops like, forget just, about that part <laughs> like, demystify the whole thing too I just want to like Everybody, I, I would love it if just everybody was singing all the time. I feel like there'd be, I'm, I'm totally idealistic and I know this is not like reality, but I do feel like there would be less wars. Yeah. You just, Exciting. it sounds ridiculous, but just that we're Have all- you seen that show? It was like, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's Playlist as part of the- um... Yes. No, I love that show. Oh, I watched every bit of it. I binged it because I was like, oh, isn't that the funniest thing? And then she's always hearing these songs. And then the one time someone's actually singing to her and does a production, you know, she's thinking it's, it's in her head, but it was in real reality, you know? Yeah. Zoe's <laughs> Extraordinary Playlist. That's it. That's yeah, it. Well, I love our that family, show. That's like family viewing at our house. It just came back for its second, like for the second part of its season. Oh, good. Good. So I cry every time I watch that show too, because 
just the songs they pick and it's it gets so deep it's funny but it's moving well it's an interpretation that's different yeah it's kind of like watching Mamma Mia you know yeah you knew about all of Abba's songs but who would have thought putting that story yeah. together you know and it just it, it just a different interpretation um across the universe to take the Beatles oh, yeah. songs you know, it's that's another one. Because I used to be much more of a music snob where I was like, ah, who needs to hear another version of this song? But the funny thing is in jazz, like jazz standards, that's what they are. They're all were songs popular in the 40s and 50s. So when I was in the biddies, we would do covers from the 80s, but like in a jazzy swingy style and people would dance. It's all the same thing. And now I, now that I'm older, I see that there's so much value to it because there's something people know kind of. Mm -hmm. So you can meet them where they are, but then you're doing your own version. So you, they're also getting something new. You're personalizing it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's I don't know about you, but our whole family grew up listening to musicals. Yeah. And um, when a song would come out of the blue from somewhere, like I'd play, name that musical at work. <laughs> and they were, they're like, you're so annoying, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, and I was like, I knew every single one, you know, and um, I'd stump people. It was just like trivial pursuit for musicals. And I just love musicals. And I think that's why, you know, I think of, I love that song. I mean, I love that show and I love, you know, the other shows because they burst into song. And uh, yeah. I know some people who don't like musicals are like, that is so not the real world. People don't burst into song. They don't every other minute, you know, but I'm like, why couldn't they? Well, like, like around my house, we, we're always singing. I mean, also, we love musicals, like all four of us totally love musicals. And my kids are both really into music. So we've been to many, many, many musicals. And luckily, right before the pandemic, pandemic, we had this Christmas where we decided we were going to do like experiences, not things. So mm -hmm. in January and February, right before the shutdown, we went to all these musicals. Oh, awesome. I'm so glad that we did that. What's your and you're still in New York City right now? Yeah. So you went to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the best. <laughs> and my writing partner, who I meet with once a week, actually was the bass player for a musical called Dear Evan Hansen, which oh. is a, a beautiful, beautiful musical. If you haven't seen it, it's so good. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So I feel for him and all the other people who are. Yeah. Broadway. Those artists. You know, something you said about art and creativity. Um, uh, brought to mind something I was going with a family member to the Mayo Clinic uh, in Rochester and going through a lot of classes and these classes um, there was a lot of people in them that were um, suffering for fibromyalgia so all this pain and you know um, and it was a support meeting and a group classes um, for family members and the people that were going through it and one of the things that I learned there that really stuck in my head is that um, there is a, a place in your brain where your pain receptors live. And there's a place in your brain where your creativity lives. And if the cre creativity parts of your brain are engaged, the pain receptors can't engage. You know, that stress and pain. So to me, that message is this, very simple. We all need creative outlets. We need to be engaging in creative activities all the time. And you said, 
if we all broke out in a song all the time, then there'd be less wars. Well, of course there would be because we'd be hitting those endorphins by hitting those parts of our brain. And of course, I'm no scientist and I'm explaining it poorly, but people can look into that. And that is why I think it's so very important that everybody is able to do something, whether they think they're good at it or not. You know, take a, a art class, learn to do something, write a lullaby with, with you and, and um, because it's going to help you. And who doesn't have stress in their life? It's, okay. it's the stress and the pain receptors and all of that's just bunched up and the creativity won't let it engage. You know, that alone should just bring funding for arts and schools way up there, right? Well, that would be nice. In an ideal world, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I think that's wonderful that, that you reminded people of that because it, you know, it's not just a hobby. I feel like in the past people said, Oh, what a great hobby you have. It's like, actually this to me is life. It's, you know, trees and it's, it's humanity really. It's just nature, humanity, it's music. It's just part of the world and as it should be, as right? it should be, exactly. And I remember when I was in labor with my first baby, I was just like playing these low tones on the piano and like droning with them. And then I played some Bach. Like I, there was this one particular Bach thing I needed to play and it helped so much. I have friends who are doing, you know, who are music therapists and I admire what they're doing so much because that's so needed just to remember that art and music can help actually take away pain. Well, in the, the studies about how Mozart, the music of Mozart um, stimulates brain activity. You know, when I was in high school, um, I was never a fan of classical music. Um, I liked, you know, cla classic rock and, you know, uh, what was popular. And in our art classes, they would not allow anything except classic music, classical music to be played. And the reason being is because, um, and it was Mozart, it, it would um, stimulate your creativity and your brain patterns and, you know, help, help you create. And I use that same um, idea when I have classes and we have music playing. It's very particular what I pick because of the tie-in of creativity and the how your brain is stimulated by certain music. So it's, it's, it is all interconnected. Yeah. The thing that I think is fascinating is I have a friend of mine. He's 20 years older than me. We have the same birthday. And he did a radio play a long time ago for his father who had um, Alzheimer's and dementia. But his father also used to play saxophone. He plays saxophone. And he would go to the nursing home where his father was and they would just get out their saxophones and they would play because they knew, his father didn't know much about current events or what was happening, but he knew the old songs. So they could still talk to each other through this music, which I think is so beautiful and how music is, you know, how it lives in this certain part of the brain that even through all the other craziness that goes on like sometimes it can still live it can be this sense memory of something I just I feel so grateful that like I get to do this for my life like I was given this gift of music I get to share it with people it's crazy like 
I feel so lucky and I just don't want to waste it. You know, I think I get in my own head, like we all do as artists sometimes like, Oh, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that or blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know what? Like I get to make music and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, um, you're talking about um, uh, the saxophone player and his father. There is um, just a local guy here that took it upon himself to take all these record albums and people would be donating record albums. I mean, he's got them stored somewhere in a huge place because there's a ton of them. There's thousands of record albums he has now and people would donate record players and he would go to nursing homes and he would give them the record players and then he would come by there and switch out the records and it would be the era that these people in the nursing homes would have um, been at their dancing best, you know, and songs that they would, and it makes such a difference in these nursing homes. And he just took it upon himself. He didn't have funding, nothing, you know, he just has, you know, it, I, I wish I could remember his name, but I can't, but it's just amazing, but it makes such a difference. It really does. And um, what you're doing is, is amazing as well. And that niche of let's create a song. I never would have thought that, you know, in a minute or two, we could have collaborated and you would have written a lullaby. I mean, it just, I'm so blessed by that. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me have this opportunity to oh, share people and pleasure. find everybody that like, just, I just, just sing, just make up stuff. You know, kids are so great at this. And then somewhere along the way, they were told, something like oh that doesn't rhyme or oh you you're out of tune or why are you so loud or any of those things it's you know I just they're so open and sing all the time about everything it's so beautiful yeah so I just want us to remember what that felt like you know let's do it let's let's, let's do go it. back to that yeah start a song <laughs> revolution yes all right piano goddess you got us going <laughs> well everybody go to your web page and what is it again it's the song inside.me. All right. And your lullaby project is amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. And I want to thank the Artist Sanctuary for being a sponsor. I also want to thank Box Roots, which is a consignment store, which it sounds like, oh, it's a consignment store. No, it's an amazing place where people bring their um, items that they've created, their um, lightly used things in their house. It's very funky and cool. It's a huge building down in Red Wing, Minnesota, where I live. And it is the my favorite store. It, it always has something cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely come when you come visit me in the artist sanctuary here, we we're going to box roots, but okay. box roots is one of our sponsors and they support us through Facebook and sponsors and all kinds of promotional things that they do for us. And I want to thank them for being our sponsor as well as Blick and the artist sanctuary for the artists at work. Um, thank you for being here today. And uh, piano goddess goddess you just are amazing thank you so much for the song thank you so much Heidi we'll you're talk welcome. soon I love what you're doing keep it up oh thank you you know this is gonna keep going and then you know we'll just touch base in a year or so and see what kind of progress everybody's made on this this project that you've got thank you well thank you again and we're gonna say goodbye for now um, and 
appreciate you being here today. Have a good night, Heidi. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs>